we might as you might as well just take your moment of shine <laughs> say all your words uh-huh. and i'll be quiet for a while okay you can sit you're allowed to speak okay uh, i'm gonna talk even... too yeah. i know it's like mostly like jokes i guess you know i was just like you, know, <laughs> you're, like, you're being I'm, silly i want to say so many words later i might as well just for a second so okay. i also still participate but like mm-hmm, but in a minimal way closing out our good ghouls gone bad series yeah we're doing it it's done for now (laughs) for now Uh, (laughs) for the time being uh yeah we are the media analysis podcast from a horror lens where we explore the real life uh psychological and historical reasonings behind our cinematic fears yeah that's just what we do Mm mm-hmm and uh, we're revisiting twice twice this year. Uh, we have, now twice this year, have covered Jeff Barnaby. Mm-hmm. Who yeah, is... Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who is from Canada and writes and creates content that is really traumatizing. But yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Very accurate description. Um, I would say just like the reality is traumatizing as much as the media is traumatizing. So full disclaimer for my section, it's gonna get sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, the movie is sad. The movie (laughs) is also sad. His work is sad. And I, you know, read some interviews with him and why that's the decision behind like making like doing sad work um Mm -hmm. like you know writing sad stories and I feel like with what we do Jeff Barnaby is so in line with like what we're looking for when we are Mm -hmm. trying to look for media that's trying to teach you something and also entertain you in like an authentic and like I don't want to say fun because it was like yeah. <laughs> stressful more than anything. I guess like meaningful and intentional and then like impactful. Lots of fulls. It's full of a lot. Um, it is. But it's all ultimately good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If Jeff, if you're listening to this, big fans, we yeah. are. Uh, I hope you enjoy this uh, as much as we enjoy your work. Uh, keep on doing it. Um, because we love it. Yeah, I I don't know. There's so much to say about this film. And when I get to my section, I really don't know if I even have all the things that I want to say in it. Um, which is sad. But I'm going to try yeah. <laughs> when I get there. Um, it is super heavy, which is um, why our next series will be a lot more charming and yeah. fun. Like, not to say we won't cover heavy things, because that just kind of comes with horror as analysis <laughs> territory mm-hmm. um but it'll be a little less that i think if, if we're crying less. we'll also be singing um yeah that's the that's the difference 
so that's there will the be highlight. music. There will be music involved, uh, as there are musicals. Yes. Um, so we'll be scared, but we'll be like singing about it, which will be yeah, exciting. Yeah, which is fun. It takes you right out. Um, mm-hmm. I wish we could sing about this because it got me so sad. It like started out immediately sad. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say definitely one of our favorite directors. Like the other person that we yeah. covered twice this year is Joko Anwar. And I feel similarly where I'm just like, yeah, keep going. And we have there's another Joko that we need to cover. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Queen of Black Magic. So uh, we're going to I'm going to revisit them. So uh, Jeff, if you're out there and you're listening, make another film so yeah. we can do it. Yeah. Do it. Uh, do it. Make it. Um, Kat, you have anything else interesting to say about this before I hop into? Now, I'm going to say a lot of stuff later. So I think we might as well, you might as well just take your moment of shine, <laughs> say all your words, uh-huh. and I'll be quiet for a while. <laughs> okay, you can sit. You're allowed to speak. Okay, uh, I'm gonna talk too. Yeah. I know it's like mostly like jokes, I guess. You know, I was like, you know, <laughs> you're, like, you're being I'll, silly. I want to say so many <laughs> words later. I might as well just sh- for a second. So okay. I also still participate, but like, mm-hmm, but in a minimal way to well, reserve I mean, energy. Pr- no, pr- yes, that. But also, enthusiastically supporting you as you do your thing. Okay. But, <laughs> yeah. But like not overste- over being a lot during yeah. your time. Because it's I your do, time. I did want to do this one thing just for people who are watching because they're probably like, what's going on? Oh, uh, yes, yes. Like, why do we look like this? So I'm just going to throw up the image of our character, Ayla, so that people know this is why we look like we do. Uh, yeah. And watch the movie, which is what I'm going to say. When yeah, please the watch the movie. Genuine, like anything uh, by Jeff Barnaby. Watch, yeah, watch the films. Watch it. Uh, yeah, I would say this they'll is... they'll keep making them, and we'll just keep watching them. And... Maybe more, like, more accessible to audiences than Blood Quantum, because it's not as gory. Yeah, that's true. The gore and is it's slightly like, less. And it's, like, quick any like violence or anything like that is quick so it is not like blood quantum comes with a lot of like warnings about mm-hmm. like just gore and like because it's zombies and it's fun yeah. uh this is not that so it's just more of like an emotional yeah trigger than it is like that was horrific that i just saw um yeah there's <laughs> so. a little but not to the yeah. extent of blood quantum i would agree yeah yeah exactly Cool. So, for people who want to know what we're talking about, we're talking about Rhymes for Young Ghouls. Rhymes for Young Ghouls next door. Uh, collaboration. <laughs> no. Uh, yes. <laughs> from 2013, directed by Jeff Barnaby. Uh, and it is about Red Crow Micmac Reservation, 1976. By government decree, every Indian child under the age of 16 must attend residential school. In the kingdom of the crow, that means imprisonment at St. Dimpha's. Uh, that means being at the mercy of Popper, the sadistic Indian agent who runs the school. Uh, and, yeah, it's just like Blood Quantum, it's like right there. <laughs> like all the information mm-hmm. you need to know is like, here is the history that I'm talking about, like, I'm not subtle in the least. Um, and I appreciate that. Because uh, it's still, like, it's still a good story without it being, like, because people often complain, like, you're being too political or you're all in my face or blah, 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 blah. And it's not that. It's uh, it's good. 
effect. Yeah. Um, trying, necessary. Yeah, necessary and efficient. Um, so Barnaby uh, rocked her world again and, you know, worked to educate people on the horrors that indigenous people face in Canada. Um, I always have to remind myself because I'm like, this stuff also happens here. Uh, yeah. and, and these situations also happen here, but it is specifically uh, Canada. And I was reminded because I was watching an interview with the actress to figure out how to say her name. Uh, and she said like a boot. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. <laughs> yes. Um, I guess Canadian. Uh, so the story follows uh, a teenager um, named Ayla who is played by, I'm going to try to say her name, Goa Hanarde. Mm -hmm. uh devery jacobs is her name uh who's also in the new uh comedy on hulu uh reservation dogs and i heard it's really good i haven't watched it yet but uh because simply because of her i'm like now i want to watch it Mm -hmm. uh and she this character ayla navigates a complicated native world that is actively being reformed and this film is immediately heartbreaking uh Similar to, like, Blood Quantum, where it just, like, kicks off. Like, and this came before Blood Quantum. Um, But, like, it it gets really... And he's, like, immediately, like, let's put you into the headspace of, like, this is not going to be fun. Like, this is not, like, good vibes. (laughs) You know? Like, we're going to talk about some heavy stuff, and it's sad. Um, And some of the traumas that are included in this film are uh, accidental deaths, which we get immediately, uh, suicide, incarceration... Indian agents, and forced residential school abuses, uh, as well as the systemic erasure of their culture um, by these Indian agents. Uh, All that to say is, like, do watch this film. I will warn people when we get into spoiler town, uh, and it'll be very minimal because I don't really want to. (laughs) Like, because I kind of just, like, want to talk. Like, there's so much to unpack without even spoiling it. So, um... Kat is going to dive in her section into the residential school horrors. Um, But just to get a brief overview so that you understand, because that is the heart of what this film is about, um, I found this super helpful article in Film School Rejects in their Through a Native Lens column titled uh, Rhymes for Young Ghouls and the Legacy of Residential Schools by Shay Vassar. And in it they say... Residential schools were a common assimilation practice in the United States and Canada up until the 1990s. These institutions taught young indigenous children the so-called correct ways to fit into white society and were thought to be a solution to the Indian problem. In reality, these residential schools were writ with malnutrition, overcrowding, and sexual abuse on top of the pain from having one's culture stolen and erased. Yeah. Yeah. So vulnerable people being, you know, conformed to what is perceived to be normal or acceptable. And there's like a few like throughout like things that, you know, made me think of other ways that America and like the structures have sought to oppress uh, other cultures by deeming like whiteness as the normal. Right. Mm -hmm. And then making other things the unprofessional or the odd one out or wrong 
Um, mm-hmm. And I've read, you know, a few articles just on the haircutting alone. So because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I know this is something. Um, and so with blood quantum, we had learned that the practice of measuring blood was used by the United States Department of Interior to commodify the racial identity of Native people as a means to avoid treaty obligations. With the residential schools, we discovered that was one of the ways the country sought to control what was considered Indian um, and essentially strip people of that identity and make them quote-unquote normal. Uh, The legal program was sanctioned under the Indian Act, which has been active since 1876, um, and we're to this day, still discovering what awful things happened in those schools, with bodies of children being found in unmarked graves as recent as this year. Uh, and Kat is going to go into those awful things, so I will talk about the film to warm you up <laughs> instead. Um, so, as I mentioned, our pro- protagonist, Ayla, uh, has far from an easy life, but she is a bad bee. You know, she still manages to hold, like, so much of the world on her shoulders. Um, Mm -hmm. Throughout the film, there's commentary about how she isn't a teenager um, because she's been forced to grow up too soon due to the lack of parental figures and the aggressive world that simply won't give her a break. She has takes many hits to the face. Uh, Mm -hmm. In fact, that's one of her rules is, like, that you need to be able to throw a punch and take a punch uh, and suffers other abuses throughout from foe and friends, like... People you trust, you can't trust. And even then, she doesn't even take it personally. Because she's like, nah, (laughs) I get it. Life is really hard. You got to do what you got to do. In an interview uh, uh, with Jeff Barnaby uh, in Muskrat Magazine uh, by Jamee DaCosta, uh, Jeff talks about the decision to have a female protagonist specifically because in blood quantum it's male so um and there was a lot to be said about that and and even still he kind of talked about like the matriarchy of his people so um he says my nation is a matriarchal society and paying respect to that archetype of a woman and the strength that is there particularly in first nations women it's imperative for me as a first nations man who loves his mom and loves his wife and loves his sisters to pay reverence to their struggle and their strength i thought if there was ever a point in time that this residential school was going to crumble it would have been in the 70s it just made sense to me that to have a young native girl bring this institution of ugliness to its knees it made sense to me because first nation women are the language and culture keeper cultural keepers they are the epicenter of our matriarchal society which is cool um and i i definitely felt that like she's is even at her young age, is holding things together. She is mm-hmm. the one in control of, like, where's the money coming from? Like, it's an illusion for anyone else to think they have any power. And when mm-hmm. her, in, in in the film, her father comes back um, in a, from being incarcerated, and he has to kind of reconcile with the fact that she's this full woman now who's running everything and that she's not what he thought. But... You weren't here, so you kind of have to just reconcile with who she is now. Um, uh, Ayla doesn't attend the residential schools. It's you don't want to. (laughs) So instead, uh, you navigate the world uh, on your own uh, and like make do to avoid 
that fate. Um, and so she works to like navigate this heavily restrictive and incredibly violent world that she lives in. Um, her mother had committed suicide after a horrific accident and her father was incarcerated the same day. Uh, so in that, you know, and all because of the same thing, uh, that's what happened to them because trauma is p- processed differently for everyone. Um, she finds companionship with a young boy who I imagine reminds her of her deceased brother. Uh, the beginning of this film sets the tone for the entirety of it with the brother's accidental death. Um, mm-hmm. And she also has a, a companionship with an older woman that she calls grandmother and others call like witch or hag or something. Um, who <laughs> this woman provides her with herbs for her booming business uh, of <laughs> of. I'm not quite sure what she's doing because I'm not super, like, knowledgeable in it. But she's, like, at one point she was dipping, like, someone's joint in formaldehyde. And it was called the zombie. Like, she, like, flavors and and kind of chemists (laughs) the 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 joints that she sells to people Um, yeah i think it's like tobacco and weed and i'm not sure yeah i don't know i know it was like she had those plants i don't know what she was Mm -hmm. doing but it was something um anyway she has a booming business and under the harsh uh reign of the indian agent popper Ela has to get creative in order to pay the truancy tax. Um, and this is how she settles on a dangerous heist scheme to steal from the tyrant himself, which means breaking into the very school they're trying to avoid. Um, we are given an internal look into the school where Popper is seen threatening the children. He orders them to speak only English and forbids them from making any sounds or going anywhere. Um, Assimilation is like a strangling beast that lurks over the entire film, uh, and it's like a shadow that's influencing the character's desperate actions, Um, you know, in in that they exist in this world where that's really the only answer, and they've never seen an Mm -hmm. alternative. Um, Barnaby never holds back on some of the more extreme and traumatizing themes in his work ever, (laughs) and he doesn't want to censor the horrors or sugarcoat his messages. Uh, And in that same interview with Muscat Magazine, he explained this means uh, he often feels separated from other Native creators who feel his work is too harsh or that they promote harmful stereotypes, um, Mm. which is sad to think that people do that but he says i'm more interested in the indian after the ceremony not during ceremonies are meant to be sacred and take place in a specific space and time but i am interested in what those guys do when they go home when the pomp and presentation of ceremony is not there i'm more interested in humanizing native people rather than perpetuating this idea that we're doing okay I find that people who make films about the spiritual Indians are almost trying to portray a positive stereotype. I've taken to calling it positivity porn. How do you go through these atrocities and pretend that we're all just well-adjusted? It's a serious issue in Native films. Um, Which is similar to, like, like the positivity porn reminded me of, um, what do we call it? When it's, like when there's someone who's differently abled and they're like, well, they could do it. So now you should like, oh, what's your what excuse? Saying. Yeah. I don't remember what it's called, but, I know <laughs> but it's similar about. to that. There's like a Ted talk about it. Um, that I think, uh, Pascal in our episode talked about where it's like, when you're only showing this, like one form, like it's not like, you're not really doing justice 
to everyone and the complexities of like what humans are to just mm-hmm. be like, no, look, we're at, like, we're good. Um, and so it's like, no, let's talk about what's messed up uh, and just talk about who's responsible as well. Um, there's a scene in the film where Ayla is like living inside of a memory. Like she's like navigating this memory uh, of her mother and her mother is spray painting mm-hmm. a, a portrait of an Indian on a door. Uh, and the figure is wearing a headdress. And Ayla mentions like, you said we don't wear the feathers. <laughs> like, we don't do that. Uh, that's not us. Um, and her mother agrees. And she says that it's true they don't, but that this Indian is what people wanted to see um, and that sometimes you have to put those ones out there. Um, and I wonder if that's a part of, like, Barnaby's, like, purposeful commentary uh, in, like, kind of reflecting, like, this is the, this is what everyone wanted to see, <laughs> and, like, remarking, mm-hmm. like, this isn't what it is, um, because I think it's a, both a commentary on, like, white people who kind of put a, the same blanket over all of them, of, like, you're all this one type mm-hmm. of, of Native person, and then also on Native people who are, like, we have to show this type of Native person, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because it's, uh, like, digestible, too. Yeah. It's like, it's what people. people are expecting, so we give it to them, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so now I'll enter Spoiler Town a little bit. Uh, so, Hila's <laughs> heist is quickly revealed after her shady and untrustworthy uncle, Burner, uh, narks on her. He rats her out. And you knew he was sus, like, the whole time, but you also, like, she doesn't even... She's, like, not surprised, and she also is, like, it's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. I get it. Like, he's been narking on people since the beginning of this film, and you're not supposed to do that, but it's also, like, the rule is don't get in debt and do what you got to do. So Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, like, he is also a victim to this system that mm-hmm. is, like, oppressing them. So how mad can you be at him when it's honestly the fault of all the government and Canadian white people and just... yeah. 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 It's not, it's Can't not burner's too fault. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing, like with the dad too, like, like in, in when you find out like it was his choice to be incarcerated, like he ratted himself out. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like, that was just the way that he could figure out how to handle the trauma that he was dealing with. And it, mm-hmm. you can't, like, it's a form of like abandoning his family, but he also probably felt like he couldn't do anything for the family either. And then yeah. he doesn't even fit in anymore. And his his real only home is being incarcerated. So it's tough. There's so yeah. many layers because it's humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, <laughs> so uh, she is immediately taken into the school. And she's stripped and given a haircut. Uh, and I'm pretty sure we t- have talked a few times in the past in episodes about the strategy behind cutting someone's hair uh, in such a situation, like, where it's forced upon you, and that it is used as a tool to, like, dehumanize someone uh, Mm -hmm. and to rid them of their individuality, their choice. Uh, It could be seen as akin to uh, cutting their identity, their self-worth, uh, anything like that. And I think specifically, um, like, I can't speak for Meekmac uh, people, but I know that hair can be an important part of your cultural identity in some tribes. Um, and I mm-hmm. was reading some articles about, like, uh, how it was similar. There was just, like, a time period where this assimilation was being strongly enforced. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were, you know, 
kind of instructed to cut their hair and that you know boys couldn't have long hair and that like to be respectable and seen as like dignified you had to have this like normal white person haircut which just made me think of like all the times in which we try to force certain hairstyles that are deemed professional onto black people and like you can't wear natural hair you have to straighten it you have to do this Mm -hmm. um and that literally just having your hair be what it is is unprofessional and it's like oh that's (laughs) these are the same things um yeah or similar things like they're similar tools uh that Mm -hmm. you think you can get away with in this it's like she is being forced uh they cut her hair and it's really an emotional scene um it also makes me think of um what's that film with natalie portman v for vendetta i don't remember what it's called but i know what you're talking about yeah v for vendetta when they shave her head um because it was literally, like, a tool. And I think we've even talked about it being used in, like, the Holocaust as well. Um, yeah, they had, like, entire rooms just filled with hair. Yeah. That they would keep, I guess. Yeah. For, I don't I don't know. I don't know if it was, like, for wig creation or what. But, yeah, that was, like, a thing that they would shave their heads, like, entirely. Because uh-huh. it also, um, like, it makes you all the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like just strips you of any individuality and if your hair does have especially if your hair is tied to your cultural identity like it's like no more we took Mm -hmm. that from you Um, yeah yeah I feel like we've talked about that before Um, and I think you know changing Ayla's hair in this scene is another attempt to assimilate her and ridding her of another trait that makes her too Indian which is what the school is there to do. Um, and in his way, Burnaby wants to show the world the awful gash in the wound of colonialism. Uh, on the surface, Ayla is seeking vengeance against the corrupt and inherently evil Popper, but Popper represents the structures in place that corrupted and infected her life and all of the other children's lives um, that she is essentially just living, right? Um, mm-hmm. And in this way, Ayla is the champion for all of the children affected. And in the end, you know, there it's kind of like a a team up of, mm-hmm. of another child who exacts revenge as well. Um, and it's kind of like, I don't want to say it's a good thing because it's not. It's very traumatizing uh, to have mm-hmm. young people have to do this uh, and be, you know, the heroes for themselves. Uh, but it's also kind of like nice to do mm-hmm. <laughs> to like have that have them be the in power of their own destiny at that point but it's also like they're very much children and as mm-hmm. much as like Ayla has her life in control like even when they're like she has her whole heist together like she's still a kid yeah like she still is very upset at the death of a friend and like you know feeds the cat and then has to like swallow that and do the next thing like, she mm-hmm. has to constantly keep moving, and it's really sad. Um, but I, th- I really do think, like, Ayla versus Popper is really the bigger story of, like, Indian children versus Canada and mm-hmm. white people trying to put their identities onto them and strip them of what they are. Um, yeah, and I and at the time, uh, in the 70s, and uh, it, it was very much needed for a hero like Ayla um and so we'll go into cat section about why uh I will say I was reading this one article and they mentioned a St. Anne's church 
that mm. was one of the churches that things happened to. And I had a little bit of a worry because my family uh, I, is originally from Canada. My grandmother is. Uh, and the church that my family, like, does pilgrimages to go see is named St. Anne. But they're in two different mm. locations. So well, that's good at least. Different St. Anne's, yeah. So as yeah. far as I know, the one that they go to isn't... That one. It wasn't hurting children, but honestly, yeah. can't rule it out <laughs> because yeah. any organized religion is probably doing shady things. It's hard organized to religion, unfortunately, generally. Yeah. Um, so for my section, I want to say disclaimer: I'm not Canadian, um, or nor am I native, and I'm on a, and I'm not able to educate from personal experience for this episode, nor really be able to cover or fully understand the complex and nuanced history of residential schools and the violence done to native people in Canada in the span of like 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, but as always, I encourage you to take the time to learn as much as you can about the horrors of this world so you can actively work to build a better future uh, for us and everybody else and for yourselves. Um, I will also give a pretty decent content warning uh, I'm talking about genocide, violence, systemic erasures of culture. Um, lot like uh, I'm trying to think of like other things. Uh, yeah, just lots of death, violence, and genocide related mm-hmm. talking and to children is a big and part. to specifically to children. Um, so if that is too heavy for you and you want to learn about it yourself and you do not want to stick around for this, totally understand because um, mm-hmm. it's going to get very sad. Um, let me get into it uh from an anthropological standpoint i think it's really interesting slash messed up uh the way in which morality and intention are taught within western society um and the really dangerous way it manifests in the actions of like white people including myself in life uh specifically how the obsession with being a good person actually pushes oneself away from goodness because it all revolves around scenting yourself um and putting yourself like above others uh mm-hmm. when you're so convinced everyone needs your help you stop asking whether or not you're actually equipped to help anyone and whether or not help your help is actually help at all you stop asking whether or not your perception of help is actually damaging and you absolve yourself of accountability when you focus on intention so intention means nothing when your actions actually act actively hurt others i also think the problem with putting well-intentioned before the actions the systemic damaging actions of white people government officials religious leaders and others um is really like damaging sometimes the intention is literally what the action results in Mm -hmm. i.e systemic erasure and evidence and accountability through violence i.e cultural genocide um or genocide in general um even if it results even if the results aren't what you intended i think the intention has been manipulated to act as this like forgiveness guarantee when it doesn't work that way um and the forgiveness is not something we should require for doing better uh the only positive use of well-intended for me can be used in a way as a way for white people like myself to recognize and realize that they were only one step away from problematic or damaging actions and that the line between good and evil is something we'll forever walk along just because the reality of what history is mm-hmm. um and that being a good person still means you have the capacity to do bad things and whatever whenever your intention was whether you meant to or not it doesn't really matter because you still did a thing that yeah. hurt people impact um, over intention yes uh something that we kind of live by here um mm-hmm. in a book i read pieces of because 
is a whole book and I don't have the ability to read things over the span of a week. I read very slow. I plan to read it eventually, but it's called Unsettling the Settler Within Indian Residential Schools, Truth Telling and Reconciliation by Paula Reagan. They go on into detail uh, about the struggle within Canadian identity to recognize the true depth of violence that was committed in these schools and like by Canada as a whole. For example, in the foreword of the book mentioned, uh, Tayaya K. Alfred writes, Canadians like to try to imagine that they've always acted peacefully and with good intentions towards us by trying to fix the Indian problem, even as they displaced, marginalized and brutalized us as part of a colonial project. Canadians do not like to hear that their country is founded through frauds, abuses and violence perpetuated against the original peoples of this land. Canadians are in denial in extremis. This stems from Canada's taught history of being peacemakers, of having better, less violent relations with Native communities than their American counterparts. Mm -hmm. uh, the reality being that many Canadians feel absolved from the actions of their ancestors, as well as their passive, passive neglect of the issues done by themselves, ignoring the reality that the last residential school closed in 1996, uh, and mm -hmm. that many Natives living today experience violence from these schools in their lifetime. The author makes a call for Canadians to recognize the role in systemic violence against Native communities and also works to back, also like says that we, to back up just the recognition with concrete action. So like realizing what has happened, but then not stopping there. Um, mm -hmm. So Reagan goes on to say, telling the whole truth about the history and legacy of the Indian residential school system means that settlers must consider the possibility that our relationship with Native people has never been predominantly peaceful or reconciliatory. Important decolonizing lessons can be learned from the ways in which teachers, staff, and various officials close, chose to ignore, vigorously enforce, and comply with or resist residential school policies and practices in various times and places. Um, the problem that stood out for me was the overarching suggestion that many Canadians felt this violence was a necessary part of native assimilation into Western society mm -hmm. and that there was like this inherent belief and that there still is, uh, within Western culture, that Western culture is superior to native culture. Um, and that the creation of these schools, while it was resulted in really sad things was a necessary evil, this was a basis mm -hmm. that residential schools were formed around in 1880. The very blatant white supremacy play is as present today as it was in their formation. Many Canadians still think that Western culture is superior to native culture as they've been taught to think and thus don't recognize the real damage that's been done. Ultimately, many Canadians realize that like the deaths were bad, um, but don't see the problem with the existence of the schools overall and the violence uh, of this white supremacist thinking. Taya K. Alfred in the foreword of another book mm. titled Red Skin, White Masks, Rejecting the Colonial Politics of Rec Recognition by Glenn Sean Coulthard explains their interpretation of the thought process of white elites when viewing native critiques on colonialism. This is a big quote. as <laughs> So, then things change. The mouths of natives starts opening by themselves. Brown voices still spoke of the whites' law to democracy and liberal humanism, but only to reproach them for their unfairness and inhumanity. White elites listened without displeasure to these polite statements of resentment and reproach. These pleas for reconciliation with apparent satisfaction. See, just like we taught them, they are able to talk in proper English without the help of a priest or an anthropologist. Just look at what we have made of these backward savages. They sound like lawyers. 
Whites did not doubt that the natives would accept their ideals since the natives accused the whites of not being faithful to them. Settlers could still believe in the sanctity of their divine civilizing mission. They had Europeanized the natives. They have created a new kind of native, the assimilated Aboriginal. The white elites took this all in and whispered quiet between themselves over dinner as good progressive persons of the postmodern world would. Let them cry and complain. It is just therapy and worth the expense. It's better than giving back the land. Mm. Um, and I, I thought that quote specifically like really stood out. And in that book as well, there's a line about basically how the creation of characters like Popper came to be mm. um, and like how children who performed well in these schools were basically taken aside and put into positions of power um, and like kind of used to further hurt their own people because they were so disconnected from the culture um, and rewarded for it essentially um, by like white elite people um, that it kind of created this inherent feeling that they were still above mm -hmm. and could benefit from the system. Uh, so I thought that was interesting as well. The book seemed really interesting. I highly recommend, uh, I need to read the whole thing before I actually give like my thumbs up on it, but it, it yeah. seems like it was saying something important. Um, so what exactly happened in these schools? We went into it a little bit in Gabe section, but I'll kind of give a little more of an overview. The residential school system operated cultural genocide with its purposeful attempt to erase all aspects of nature, native cultures. Students at these schools were taken far away from their families and homes and forced to embrace Catholic religion and Western cultural practices. Kat, hold on. Do you want to drink mm. some water yes yeah do that and then start back up at so what happened okay just because i can hear you and i want to make sure you're okay yeah i was like talking really fast <laughs> yeah yeah you have you have time Same where many where words plenty time yeah it still goes it still goes so um what exactly happened at these schools i know we went into it a little bit in gabe's section but i'm going to kind of give a little more of an overview the residential school system operated cultural genocide with its purposeful attempt to erase all aspects of native cultures. Students at these schools were taken far away from their families and homes and forced to embrace Catholic religion and Western cultural practices and language while being banned from practicing their own. Students were given numbers, forced to have their hair cut short and wear uniforms. Boys and girls were kept separated and even siblings were not allowed to interact with each other. Any violation of these rules were severely punished and often resulted in deaths. The cause of these deaths ranged from outright violence to intentional neglect, often from the conditions of the dorms and the overcrowding of rooms that resulted in illnesses like tuberculosis and the flu to spread quickly. In addition mm -hmm. to illnesses, many deaths were caused by fires or accidents that happened frequently. Sexual and physical violence were also widespread and caused many deaths, both directly and by suicide. Uh, on a website called Indigenous Foundations, they outlined some of the ways in which children were punished and abused in these schools, arguably with state and church officials fully aware of the abuses and tragedies taking place. Inspectors or officials that spoke up to demand reformed or expressed any kind of alarm were often silenced or not supported and promises for improvement were never followed up on. Um, Abuses in the schools were, were widespread. Emotional, psychological abuse was constant. Physical abuse was metered out as punishment. 
and sexual abuse was also common. Survivors recall being beaten and strapped. Some students were shackled to their beds. Some had needles shoved in their tongues for speaking their native language. These abuses, along with overcrowding, poor sanitation, and severely inadequate food and health care, resulting in a shocking death toll. In 1907, government medical inspector P.H. Bryce reported that 24% of previously healthy indigenous children across Canada were dying in residential schools. This figure does not include children who died at home, where they were frequently sent when deemed critically ill. Bryce reported there is anywhere from 47% on the Pagan Reserve of Alberta to 75% from the Field Hills Boarding School in Saskatchewan of students discharged from residential schools that died shortly after returning home. Um, so the numbers that we were able to find in terms of like how many children actually died um in the film it like it obviously shows like the cruelty and the violence not to the extent of the quotes thankfully just because mm-hmm. that would have it would have not <laughs> it, yeah. it would have been just really psychologically stressful uh, for any audience but specifically i think barnaby's goal is to like make media that both native people would want to see and that would yeah. kind of feel very Re-traumatizing, I guess mm-hmm. is the word. Um, there are many flashes to match graves, much like that is being discussed in Canada today as the number continuously grows higher and higher. The number I was able to find for identified bodies is 1,300, but a two f- 2015 report showed over 4,000 children had died while at residential schools, so it's likely that that number will continue to grow as the investigation continues. Um In an article from the New York Times titled Canada's Grim Legacy and Cultural Erasure in Poignant School Photos written by Ian Austin, he outlines that indigenous communities believe the remains are some of thousands of youth, currently estimated a range of 10,000 to 50,000 who went to the schools and never returned home, known as the missing children. Something that really hit me um, is that the parents of the children were often given no explanation for the loss of life. And bodies were rarely returned to families. Their children were stolen and never returned. Um, while Canada has pledged $321 million to support survivors of residential schools, as they should and should give more, that is just a Band-Aid on a wound that needs stitches. Um, in addition to the money, Canada as a whole needs to actively work to de- deconstruct the superiority complex that it's developed and accept that like money is not a cure um yeah. uh, there nor will it be a guarantee of forgiveness i feel like there's like no amount of money that can bring back the loss of culture and life that's taken place um nor should it like be expected because uh, i feel like lots of people who i've witnessed on tv expressing sadness about this uh are doing so like i i believe that they're being genuine but i don't think that they're is a full realization of what's happened kind of like in what I was speaking about before and that like a lot of people recognize like the death piece was horrible, Mm. um, but don't necessarily recognize that. The erasing of the culture. Yeah. The erasing of the culture and like specifically like the inherent just white supremacist viewpoints at play that like are very much just like, yeah, that happened and it was awful, but we're not going to give anything back. Mm hmm. 
we're not going to be able to fix it for real. We just want to be forgiven so we can move on. And so everything can get back to normal and less depressing. Um, yeah. Well, it's also like we didn't do it, right? Like, yeah, it's the same kind of conversations that are happening with like critical race theory here. Mm-hmm. And like, we, like, okay, yeah, we're not going to be held responsible for our ancestors' actions and not realizing like that you have inherited the same beliefs because mm-hmm. we don't have critical race theory or because we're not revealing what happens and being accountable for it. Yeah. And I guess there's also just like a disregard for the fact that this stuff is like still happening in a sense, like for specifically because it was 1996. Some of the people who were still in charge likely were around when these residential schools were in play Um, and like either willingly chose to ignore what was happening because it was inconvenient to their lives uh, or they just like didn't know but didn't care enough to try to look. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't directly impact them. And I think, like, a big piece of it is just the fact that, like, when you're looking at something that happened before and trying to atone for it, you're ignoring the fact that there's still actively damaging things happening, like, currently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something, an aspect of critical race theory that a, people, a lot of people try to, like, argue a, away is that, like, th- it's like slavery was 400 years ago, but, like, people are still being murdered people are still being forcefully incarcerated. So yeah. like, it's like, there's still a lot of damage being done just because, and like arguably still very much white supremacists in power, mm-hmm. white supremacists on parade, like walking around yeah. with no consequences for their actions, um, both here and in Canada. So I think it's super gross yeah. um, for one, um, but there are things you can do arguably in terms of supporting native people supporting organizations Mm -hmm. to end it slightly on like a less horrifically upsetting note. Um, There are some ways you can help and there are organizations that are native led that uh, are geared towards like helping their people and helping each other. Uh, Indigenous works, national indigenous leadership groups in Canada um, has resources on their website. The Inuit, Tepirit Kanatami National Voice of Candidates Inuit group also has resources on their website. There was um, Assembly of First Nations. There was a National Women's Indigenous Women's Vote website and a Legacy of Hope website um, that all seem to be doing something um, positive. Uh, And I'm sure there are more and I would love it if anyone who's watching, if you know of an organization that's making meaningful impact, that needs support if there are petitions, uh, although it does seem like we're kind of past the point of petitions. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's still issues taking place today that are relevant, though, and would need support and attention. Um, please drop the links in our comments so mm-hmm. that you know, we can spread the word and make sure that people know about what's happening. And also so there's like actionable next steps, because, I mean, obviously we don't live in Canada here for the ghouls. We do live in America where similar things have happened. Um, arguably just as if not more violent uh towards uh native people um Mm -hmm. so if i'll also look around to see if there's like resources specifically for here and i've also seen things on tiktok in terms of like not that tiktok is necessarily a reputable news source but we're still going to mention it uh that there's lots of things happening in the for southern native people as well uh Mm -hmm. that need attention um and need support because the world is filled with violence and awful things. Um, but there are things that we can actively do to try to 
make it slightly less horrific and awful. And honestly, just thank you so much to Jeff Barnaby for making media that makes pe- one people aware if they aren't already aware, yeah. but also like kind of can act as a form of catharsis. Um, I think that's a word. Catharsis. Catharsism. Catharsis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Catharsism isn't a word, I don't think, but no. catharsis. Yeah. Yeah. I think because, uh, you know, a big part of this, you know, you can pay money and, and you know, like you said, it's a Band-Aid. Uh, because people still lost so much of their culture and their identity because it was forced on them. So, like, thinking of, like, who's left, who doesn't have that tie. And it's similar to Blood Quantum of, like, we are trying to take away and, uh, you know, convert this idea and in, in who you are into what we deem is the right way to be. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, how are you going to fix that? And it's and also thinking of all of the children that are lost, like you can't get those back. Um, and those mm-hmm. families are forever changed. There is potential and ability and they're all gone. Um, and it's it's heartbreaking. And I like you said, I, I thank Jeff Barnaby for making films like this because they constantly educate us Um because we always look into it, right? We're digging more into it. Um, we will have links to things in our show notes, so uh, you can check out some of those interviews and other reviews of the film and information, as well as links to uh, where you can get the books if you're interested um, in learning more. And of course, ways to help uh, in our in the seer and the unseen. There were some resources for current. Um, activists who are working uh to make a difference so i'll be sure to include those as well uh that are here in america so because there's like you know we're finding there's so much more to do um Mm -hmm. and i think uh that this film is like digestible enough and still shocking and stressful (laughs) enough that uh you can still learn from what is going on and be upset yeah. And I, I believe it was made in 2014. Is that 2013? 13. And just the fact that like the headlines specifically are so relevant, specifically in Canada today, because mm-hmm. they're finding all of this stuff. Um, it, it's like he knew that was going to be happening. Yeah. Yeah. Soon. And he, yeah. And even cool. still like holding back, like we do see that mass grave. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like it's quick, just like the violence, like the death of her brother was quick. So mm-hmm. it's like you're just like, wait, hold on. And it makes you ask questions. And I think that's great. Um, and so, again, I'm very appreciative of his work and work like his that are looking to highlight issues, um, but still be something that's entertaining that you like want to finish right like you want to get through yeah you want to know and the characters are amazing um yeah so that is our you know good ghouls gone bad uh yeah. you know closing it out with rhymes for young ghouls gone mm-hmm. bad uh so <laughs> you know very heavy uh this series has been very heavy um as often happens with us where we're covering mm-hmm. things and we're like oh this it hurts <laughs> this is a lot for us to deal with um yeah. and so next month and for two months uh so into the spooky month we are going to be covering horror movie musicals or horror musicals yeah. musicals that are 
horror and theme. Uh, mm-hmm. So it'd be a little more fun. But they're still, again, as horror does, is going to cover some things that are complicated and messy. We're going to have really great guests on to talk about uh, the media as well. So definitely stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed uh, to us. And definitely, as always, uh, you can leave a comment. Uh, you can, you know, shoot us an email, the ghouls next door at gmail.com to let us know what your thoughts are. If you have suggestions for what we should cover um, when we kind of circle back around to inevitably another cultural round of, of episodes because mm-hmm. people are still putting in work. There's still media out there being made um, to educate you and entertain, ed- edutain you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure there's like a... Uh... Lots of other films that exist that cover Native issues. So if you know any filmmakers that are making such that we just haven't gotten to yet or haven't heard of or seen, please share. Because, yeah. Yeah, for sure. The more we learn, the better, honestly. Yeah. Or honestly, even if it's just like Native people having a nice time, that's also. Yeah, we'd love to watch that, too. Lovely to see. Even, yeah, even if it is the like positivity <laughs> porn or whatever. I'll take some of that, like, in between <laughs> the heavy yeah. stuff, right? Like, I'm a little thankful for them sometimes. Uh, and Jeff Barnaby, if you're listening, we'd love to talk to you. So let yeah, us know if would. you're interested in that, because we'd love to talk to you. Um, yeah, maybe we'll, one day we'll talk to you, we'll talk to Joko, we'll talk to all the people that we love. Uh, mm-hmm. And just, it, it probably just, it'd be less questions and more of, like, you're amazing, Thank you for mm-hmm. existing. <laughs> Thank you for working so hard to get your stuff out there because it's absurdly challenging, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the expectations uh, for non-white men creators is ridiculous. And it's just like, it's sad because it just means that the world suffers from not having those stories. Uh, and after a while, like we're just ending up with the same ones and it gets tired and, and uninspired. So you know, give more voices out there. Um, cool. Yeah. 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 Any other thoughts, Kat? I guess, like, if there's a thing that you know about and you're like, I think that wasn't that bad, maybe unpack and think about why you think it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Uh, and the inherent, specifically with this issue, white supremacist viewpoints at play so that maybe... If you are savable in terms of being a not horrible person, um, that you do some realizing and kind of, yeah, just never just question things, question things and think about things mm-hmm. and the, the reasons for the things and why they are the way that they are and why you think the way that you do. And just, yeah, yeah. always view media critically, think about things critically, mm-hmm. develop that skill because... As sad as it can get, it is very necessary and will make the world a better place, ideally, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Optimism. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Don't think of it as like it's an attack on you. Uh, Instead, like I, you know, whenever I learn of something or I have to rethink or like relearn or unlearn, Mm -hmm. um, it's like usually I'm just like upset that that was like that I was led to believe that right like Mm -hmm. it's it's never like I'm awful because of this it's like oh that was it's awful that that was what I was told and what I was you know learned uh Mm -hmm. educated to think um and And that that education was like intentional like that they made you think that that was a thing for 
It's like insulting, if anything. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just, I'm angry that that's what it was. And so then I want even more to not do that, (laughs) you know, and to like go against it. So yeah, don't make it, like, it it is an attack on you and your character um, if you are putting in the work to unlearn those things and to be better. And it's not, right? It's, we all were taught that. We all were put in this and we're all experiencing these different things. So take the time. It's kind of like the explanation of trauma. It's like, it's not your fault that trauma happened to you. It is your responsibility to heal from it. Mm. Um, Yeah. So it's not your fault that you were taught horrific and white supremacist ideologies. It is your responsibility to unlearn them and do better. Yes. And so do that. Yeah. yeah. Learn more. Uh, check out, uh, like I said, our, our show notes. Listen to our episodes. Be inspired. Watch this film 100%. Watch all yeah. of Barnaby's films and then some. And uh, let us know what you think. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Don't so get don't married. get married. They'll eat your kids. They'll eat your kids. Mm. Yeah. 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 They did. <laughs> all right. Well.